0: at great expense flown in from the other side of town. (laughs) We'll just get ourselves organized. So God, I thank you for Eden. I thank you for the message that she has for us today. I pray that you would speak through her that we would hear you speak to our hearts as um, you uh, speak in her heart and in her mind and her, with her words. Bless her. May she be more full by the end of this than she is at the beginning. Amen.
1: Mm, that was a good one. I brought some water in case uh, I start coughing from all the smoke in the room. You guys really got to cut down. Um, you know... Just to follow up on um, what Karina was saying, Um, there was a time in my life where my name was Edith. For 40 whole years, I wore that name. And for the next 18 years that I've used the name Eden, I have never once regretted embracing the new name and. All that it brought with it and so I would just encourage you to kind of maybe even think about what are all the names that you've been called over the years like you might have had like a little like a mini version of your name for as a kid like maybe you were Joshy instead of Josh (laughs) or sorry Josh sorry or maybe you were Joshua and it got s- <laughs> um, Maybe you had a nickname. Uh, maybe a group of people knew you by one name and others knew you by another um, just by context. And just consider that and, um, and how each of those names may have uh, been a change or a shift in your life. Um, And then I wanted to thank um, our worship team this morning, too, for I think the highest value of a Sunday morning service is recalibrating us back to who God really is. I think we get the stuffing knocked out of us during the week. and, And even if we're only a degree off, if we go very far on one degree off, we're going to be way off eventually and so having a sunday morning where we remember who god truly is and how he functions in our lives and what they're all about that helps us to stay a lot closer so the message i'm using this morning is from matthew or the passage i'm using this morning is from matthew 6 Nine to 13 and if you're familiar with any prayer in the Bible it's likely this one because it's called the Lord's Prayer it's fairly common I'm old enough to remember uh, reciting this prayer each morning at public school I don't I'm not gonna judge whether that was good or not but that that's probably where I learned it more than actually at church Uh, this prayer that Jesus shares is part of the Sermon on the Mount and when I looked at the Beatitudes in Matthew five, which is part of the sermon, um, I could see how Jesus was sharing with us in the Beatitudes what he was sharing us, with us in the Beatitudes were values. And then those values were incorporated into this prayer within the context of the same sermon. So I'm not gonna take time this morning to lay out the correlation I saw between the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer, but. I welcome you to consider looking at that if you care to. I'm gonna read it in a more traditional version first so that you have a very fresh reminder of something very old. Uh, So I'm gonna read um, from the New American Standard version. Pray then in this way. This is Jesus talking to all the people on the mountain. I just want to point something out. In this prayer, Jesus refers to God as his father, and that's how Jesus related to God. I know there are translations that convert father to parent, but in this case, where it is Jesus referring to God as father, it's because he has a mother and her name is Mary, and Jesus isn't praying to her in this passage. Just to be clear, this coming season of talks, we've decided to weave the theme of Blessed Are the Peacemakers into each of the lectionary passages we are given. So here's a couple of ways I see peace and peacemaking reflected in this prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, Mother, Parent, Creator is about Being at peace in our belonging. This establishes our connection with God. And when we know we are loved and connected, it's easier to find peace. Your kingdom come, your will be done, is about being at peace with our lives being filled with circumstances that we have no control over. And I'm not saying that God controls our circumstances either. I'm just saying stuff happens and we can still find peace and be at peace. Give us this day is about being at peace with our personal needs. We don't have to have it all together to be at peace or have everything we think we need to be at peace. Forgive us our debts, sins, failures, etc., 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 is about coming to peace with ourselves and our shadow sides. I cannot tell you how vitally important this facet of making peace with yourself is. As we forgive our debtors, those who have hurt and harmed us. This is about coming to peace with others and their shadow sides. Do not lead us into temptation, is about coming to peace with our very own vulnerability and the understanding that we are not able to conquer everything. I've been pondering this topic for the better part of two months, and the idea of peacemaking is full of a lot of different facets. I asked a few people about their thoughts on peacemaking, and I got a lot of different perspectives. Some were extremely cautious, equating peace and peacemaking as power moves, which is kind of interesting, Something about how peace has been practiced has turned what peace is meant to be on its head. This might be reflective of the world's peace versus peace that Jesus has left us. Some were averse to pacifism, which they equated with peacemaking. They gave absolutely no value to moving peacefully amid conflict. Some supported peace at all costs. When asked about that, it often felt like being nice was the equivalent of moving in peace and that there was little process involved at all. It felt to me like it was more like sit down and shut up than actual peace. Some saw peace as an uh, an opportunity to collaborate and find new ways to address cultural challenges and needs. I found conversations on this nature fascinating and very inspiring. Now, because we're going to be having the thread of Blessed Are the Peacemakers running through our talks for the foreseeable future, I don't want to exhaust the topic, but I do want to cover a bit of ground about how peacemaking is best represented in our culture. First off, here's a quote that... Uh, Christine Baumhoff shared with me from a post on the Center for Community Justice. Peace at the cost of your voice, your needs, or your feelings, isn't authentic peace. It's just silence. There's a difference between being silenced and being peaceful. So this week I was drawn to watch a three-minute segment about a woman who had her life entirely upended by online trolls. Within the context of an online community, she voiced support of the trans community and was immediately attacked online, but then it got a whole lot worse. They had her swatted in her home, which is someone calling a SWAT team to show up at your house in the middle of the night to absolutely upend your life and so she moved to a hotel for safety but they figured out where she was there too so she fled from canada to ireland and thought she would have some distance between herself and that situation but instead they figured out where she was there too and they proved it by taking a picture of the window of the house and the room she was in at that moment. So this poor woman was being harassed relentlessly. But after all this, after all the harm that had been done to her, when she was asked what her message was to the people who had done this to her, this was her response. I don't blame them. They're victims. Of an online hate group. And once you're roped into a hate group, it's really hard to get out. I wanna show them more compassion than they have ever shown me. That's how they ended this little article. What is so surprising about what this woman said was how she said it. Despite all these terrible things happening to her, she shared and spoke with a spirit of peace even when she was telling the listeners how afraid she was. She had not been silenced because she was on a major news outlet telling her story. She was shining a light on a nasty bit of work that has been happening more and more to folks in our cyber culture. But her peace, her peace-filled spirit was peaceful. And the haters didn't gain another hater. I think she understood Einstein's thoughts on peace. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. She understood how they had been harmed and why they were doing it. She's not giving her haters a break. She is recognizing they are caught in a snare and have no way out. Her peace allowed her to observe that And without need for vengeance, she moved to compassion. Hate does not drive out hate. But peace allows those who want to, to rise above most horrible circumstances. I'm going to suggest that moving in peace is not about what you do. It's about how you are. Peace is a value. It's a state of mind. It's an orientation within you that allows you to be something even in difficult circumstances. I'm an Enneagram nine. For those who that means absolutely nothing to, well done. (laughs) For the rest of us, I'm gonna tell you that I don't know very much about the Enneagram, but just enough to use this in a sermon. So as a nine, my identifier is that of a peacemaker. So I know a few things about peacemaking. One, most of us are peace fakers, including yours truly. Two, we value harmony, kindness, and unity, but honestly, often that's just a way to keep a lid on things. When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount and said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God, he was not talking about peace faking. When he taught us to pray to be forgiven and to forgive those who have harmed us, there was nothing false or placating about that. That is the hard work of peacemaking. There are so many things that we need to make peace with we need to make peace with ourselves with who we are and how we are and how we do we need to make peace with the world around us all those random things that are just out of our control we need to make peace with each other this can be challenging but so very rewarding the power of peace Is that it isn't contingent on anyone else what it's not your peace is about you that's likely why Jesus mentioned it in his sermon make peace with or make peace and you will be called children of God the point is that our peace comes from God and we reflect that image of God when we are at peace We're gonna get a lot of insight and perspective on peacemaking in the next while, so I'm gonna try to rein it all in here. But I'll share what, in my experience, um, has been the most powerful position to take if you want to be a peacemaker. It is the posture of a listener. Someone who's in distress needs to be heard. And listening alone can do far more than the best advice. My notes say, insert apology. So that's what I'll do now. I know that I have listened to many of you, but I also know that I used too many words to try to connect with you, to say, oh, I know where where you're coming from. When I should have just buttoned up. And listened to what you had to say and so I'm sorry for that I am working on it and if that turned you off when I did that I would ask for another try so instead of serving you a mile-high burger this morning And I know this is a really, oh, pardon the pun. It's a really cheesy metaphor or pun. I think I want to start with just the meat and bun. Peacemaking is the patty, and listening are the buns. Twice as much buns as there is meat. It is really lame, I'm sorry. (laughs) Listening holds the place for peacemaking. In any conflict, no matter who is right or who is wrong, listening must be a vital part of the process. When our Indigenous, with our Indigenous siblings, we still need to do a lot more listening. We may think we have, but I suspect we've done a lot more shutting down, shutting up, and ass covering than about genuine listening. And peacemaking within our justice system here in Canada we need a lot more listening happening if we have any hope of restorative justice happening it will require folks to sit down to share their stories and feel heard that means we're listening to both sides of the story but we do have to learn to listen without duality without sitting in judgment. We just are looking for context. Can I point out a way that some of you have been peacemakers? When you bring your offering of a hot meal to the homeless on the last Wednesday evening of each month, and when you stay and serve the meal to our precious siblings, and when you look them in the eyes, engage with them, and listen to a story they wanna share, you are being a peacemaker. Listening values the person sharing their story. When you welcome and engage with folks in our community and outside of our community, you are being peacemakers. You're helping folks to feel like they belong, which brings peace. When you sit down to have a difficult conversation with someone about something you have done Or that they have done to you and your posture is one of listening and you hear their perspective and recognize context you are moving in peace when you extend yourself for the sake of someone else's needs like a meal train or watching kids so parents can have a break or going for coffee with someone and you listen to their pain and heartache you're being a peacemaker. My experience with being heard is that even if my complaint is not solved, or the harm done is, um, to me is not restored, I can find peace because I was heard and I felt understood. Have you ever had to make a phone call to advocate for yourself? <sighs> when something has gone wrong and I'm looking for help, if I hear someone on the other end of the line saying something like, what tell tell me what's going on I can already feel the anxiety going down but when they listen and then they reflect to me what they've heard or even ask for some clarification I can feel that anxiety start to disappear and even if in the end they're not able to solve or change the situation I understand that I was heard and I can be at peace listening is a well-worn path to peacemaking I want to encourage you all to keep your hearts open to an opportunity this week where you can listen and be a peacemaker peacemaking always requires someone willing to listen I'm gonna read uh, the Lord's Prayer again this is uh, the Maori and Polynesia version of it so it's a a little um, different and so um, I'm gonna get you to actually I think the words are gonna be up there but um, maybe close your eyes and just listen to the language and um, and take it in eternal spirit earth maker pain bearer life giver source of all that is and that shall be Father and Mother of us all, loving God, in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trial too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us for you reign in the glory of the power that is love now and forever amen so we're gonna open things up for q and r so if you're new um or forgetful um q and r is the part of our service where you you can have the mic, and you can either um, reflect back what's been significant for you, uh, ask questions, um, answers are optional, and um, or, or add something that uh, was brought to mind as we were sharing.
0: So you can just put up your hand, and uh, I'll run to you, like Brian Adams. Um, I've never thought of it before, like, um, that peacemaking is listening. And that just, like, made me go, huh? No, that was a huh moment, so thank you for that.
1: So would you say I taught you something today? (laughs) Notch on the belt. Awesome.
0: (laughs) I was thinking about the, the listening aspect that sometimes The first listening we need to do is to like the inner narrative that's going on when we hear something that feels oppositional. Definitely. Sometimes that can create more spaciousness for listening. Anybody else?
1: Ah! Definitely. I like, I can have an argument with someone all in my head. (laughs) And so I know that I'm vulnerable if I have not heard what they need to say to having an entire thing happening. And so listening is definitely like helpful to recalibrate ourselves.
0: Just so that the, the
1: camera can pick you up and our Zoom friends. Hello, Hello. Casey here. <laughs> um, Eden, um, yes, that's right. Uh, thinking about just kind of everything you said about the idea, again, of peacemaking being listening, um, is there anything over your years of life that that you've kind of learned? What I'm specifically thinking of is when you're trying to do that, when you're working on that within yourself, and then you're having one of those maybe difficult conversations, maybe a conversation that didn't start out difficult, and then you just feel that bubbling bubbling up of trying to feel like you need to provide an answer, provide um, a disagreement, like how is that something I've, I've always found it really difficult to improve um, my listening skills. I really want to. So, I think the only little tidbit I can give you is, um, give, and everybody gets this permission, give yourself time for a timeout. Like literally just say, wow, this is going sideways really fast, and I don't feel like I'm hearing you, and I don't feel heard myself. I think we need a few minutes. Uh, back in 10 or whatever, if, if that's at all possible, right? Um, if, I, um, if I use the, um, the relationship of my husband Brad and I, um, that's extremely helpful for us um, because Um, We have a path we can take that is not peaceful, but over time we have learned there's lots of places that you can turn away from that, like going all the way down that path, and we've just found shorter and shorter and shorter tracks to turn off, and the time out for yourself, like when you realize, okay, we're way off here, is probably the thing you can do that's best for yourself, but also for that conversation. Yeah.
0: Beautiful.
1: Anybody else?
0: Yes. So yeah, if you don't mind standing up when you um, comment, and if you even want to share your name and anything else, that's allowed. Hey, I'm Pam Van Dopp. Um,
2: I've I've just gone through the first week of teaching, and so I teach grade eights. And one of of our norms in our classroom is to create a safe space for all students. And I think whenever I start classes, I assume safe place means people aren't going to push each other, or people aren't going to, like, be mean in that kind of way, like a physical way. But the more, especially with this class that I have now, the more I went through my, cl- my, my days, it seemed that the safe space was being able to allow room for people to say what they needed to say and not be interrupted in the classroom, because grade eights love to interrupt. Um, and to create open-ended questions and specifically tell people to not respond. Like, don't start formulating what you wanna say back. We're all just gonna say and just hold that space. And it was pretty amazing that this class that has been kind of known for talking over each other or I've got a lot of anxious students in this class, just anxiety just goes away because they know that they're allowed to say something and they're not, and, and it's valuable, it can be held even by these grade eight students, so.
1: That's awesome, Pam. Yay. That's a really good reminder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking about any conversation you're in, You, if if you can just not be thinking about the next thing that you wanna say, it's really okay to kind of go, okay, this that makes me think about this, but like, And I'm really bad at that. I I just jump in, and um, but that giving that space um, and teaching kids at 13 to do it, like, well done, Pam. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely a peacemaker. Oh uh, yeah, Roxanne.
3: My husband just said again. be peaceful anyway um, (laughs) I uh, I've been learning so much about peace in the midst of storm and in the midst of um, what just feels like a disaster just of monumental is um, that there are those who who find that they have a a similar perspective or they've had a similar experiences and um, and sometimes that is difficult for the person that is grieving. It's been difficult for me because what they're comparing to distracts me from their true desire, which is to let me know that they know I'm hurting. But it comes it comes across as, oh yeah, one person told me that their dog died a week ago or so, you know, it was like, okay so I I got lost in something that they didn't mean me to get lost in they wanted to let me know that they understood grief but I was distracted by their words and I think that's what I heard you saying that you know I can listen to someone and I'm very quick to offer my opinion I know nobody needs my opinion and I'm learning to withhold that a little I'm not, yeah, anyway, um, my husband would say. <laughs> <well. Yeah. laughs> but uh, I do I do think that um, withholding my opinion or the fact that I do relate to something somebody's sharing can sometimes be the biggest gift
1: of peacemaking. There's a really good line you can use um, to keep, t- to show your you're tracking but also not to insert your own stuff and that is tell me more Mm. you're not putting your own story in it you're just asking for more and that's a big invitation card for them to keep sharing
0: it's good I'm just gonna there's a couple of um things from our Zoom room here at the moment. So uh, Devin has said, beautiful perspective. I really appreciate that it was practical advice. I can put it into practice today. I always was attracted to the Peacemaker way and didn't know why. However, I now know it's because (laughs) I'm a terrible listener. (laughs) And there's some self-awareness. I believe I can improve on that. Thank you for the sermon. So, and then there is one from Lauren that says, I'm currently in a location where the relationship between Indigenous and settlers is quite connected, meaning I'm also learning about what has happened to Indigenous people directly from the source. I have learned that Catholic and Christians have hurt Indigenous people. How can we still have our faith when past Christians have hurt the people we are reconciling with? That's
1: easy, I'll let you take that one. So I've said this before but it really is helpful. Um, being consistent is not treating everyone the same. Being consistent is treating everyone as an individual. And so there's, that's a two-sided coin, right? So I'm, I might have to sit down at a table with someone who has, who's going to tell me a story about, Um, a system I represent and I'm gonna have to take it on the chin I'm gonna have to listen and I'm not gonna rebut but I will request that I too can be treated as an individual and that maybe this big thing over here definitely fouled up Um, but could we start just the two of us to work towards something and, you know, the increments are so tiny that it feels sometimes like, yeah, what's the use of that? Like, we need big answers, but we are only one increment in this whole thing, and if we all take part, it becomes bigger. Do you have anything to add to that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really great place to start. I think something that's been freeing to me, whether it's when we're listening to Indigenous siblings, or queer siblings, or women, or anybody who's been pushed out of the center of power through theology, through practice, through systems, is... I don't, I don't know how this became kind of a cornerstone for me in the middle of deconstructing and what felt like everything kind of falling apart, was I decided that God must be secure in order to be God. So when someone tells me, someone in the name of God did fill in the blank of whatever horrible impact, not talking about good intentions, impact, the impact was horrible, I feel zero need to defend God. I can just go, that was awful. That was wrong. That should never have happened. And I join with you actually, in in just saying there, there is no way to theologically or systemically make that sound like, but it had a good... No! It just... so And I'm just like, God is actually... If God is the source of being, if God is, like, divine love, then God better be up to it when people in the name of God really, really mess up. And I'm, I'm thinking of like, I think it was Mr. Rogers that said, if we make something mentionable, it becomes manageable. But if we can't talk about harm in the name of God and call it harm, we're never gonna be able to manage it. So I think it's just like, God is secure. I don't need to worry about defending God. I can join you. I can suffer with you. I, I can be like, hopefully a better representation of Jesus in that moment that says, I'm here and I'm suffering with you and I'm not gonna pretend for a moment that that was okay.
1: So we're gonna call it a day. I'm gonna do a benediction, but first I'm gonna just invite, if you, um, if you need to talk about something, I would like to listen. So reach out and I will um, do my best to make space for you very quickly and uh, we can have a conversation. No, you can talk and I will listen. (laughs) So I just wanna leave you with a benediction. May the peace that was given to us by the Prince of Peace reside in us today and every day. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in them, amen.